Welcome to Unpopular Opinions with Heather. From the weighty to the mundane, each episode dives into an unusual or controversial opinion with guests who have something to say about an unpopular opinion. We all know the feeling of being ad-stalked on the internet. Whether you find it a mild nuisance or an extreme violation of your privacy, most people don't like it. I, as you would guess from the title of this episode, welcome it. And it's not because my career has been largely in online media, though what I know from that does shape how I think about it. My guest for this discussion is Rob Beeler, founder of Beeler Tech, founded adopsonline.com, and chairman of AdMonsters, an online ad industry organization that is over 20 years strong. I'm Heather Kelt-Scott, and today's unpopular opinion, I want to be targeted. So my guest today is Rob Beeler, and Rob is a a uh, what would you call yourself like a you're like a veteran of the a, a veteran yeah i am i'm waiting i'm waiting for someone to tell me i can stop yes um uh, i you give people awards for being um veterans of the ad industry but someone needs to give you an award for doing that. i i'm waiting by the phone i'm waiting by the phone <laughs> so rob is the chairman of ad monsters and the founder of feeler tech and um both of us have worked in the uh, online media space and ad industry for you know a long time. So the idea of uh, talking about being targeted, you know, is something I think we both we're both in like the deep end of the pool from that. <laughs> um, but my opinion about being targeted it actually has like a lot less to do with what I know from being in the industry and more of just like what I want as a consumer. Right. And, right. You know, I, I want to be targeted and the reason I do want to be targeted. And when I say want to be targeted, I want, you know, we're talking about online, online ad targeting mainly. I think when, when people um, express concern about being targeted online, that's mostly what they're talking about. And yeah. Well, it's interesting. It's an interesting term right like who would want to be targeted it, it has negative connotations just with that word mm -hmm. if you're talking about you want to be served relevant advertising well that doesn't sound quite so scary but if you're telling me i'm being targeted it, it sounds like a, a sniper right, right? That's so actually that, that, one of the things i thought about like the the you know rephrasing or like having a new word for this um, yes. <laughs> maybe that's all people need i you know i feel like personalization was tried for a while and sure. uh, and it never like really took off and i think people were not really interested in feeling like they had personalized ad experiences um but you know you're interested in having personalized everything else so i, I you know it, it seems like that's not like a bridge too far right might be a term that comes back Mm -hmm. Let's let's see if we can we can make that happen on in our in our chat. We could we can so make our picture that. As as someone who you know uses the internet, like I I would not really like to go back to the way it was in you know the the mid nineties where you're seeing like random whack-a-mole ads and <laughs> you know anything that will grab anybody's attention but actually is relevant to nobody. Um, I do like seeing content that's tailored to me and, and I see ads as kind of a variety of content and, mm -hmm. and, you know, probably most importantly, I like 
both supporting journalism and being able to access free content online. And being targeted has enabled that to happen for you know more than 20 years. Uh, agreed, right? I mean, I, th I think I think there's a that you you kind of said it right as a as a consumer as a, a, a let's just say a regular person, not someone in the ad tech industry or in online media, right? Who, who we talk about how the sausage is made, but that, by as a consumer, there's a value exchange that happens that just isn't really articulated. That when I go to a website and someone has produced content, they invested in that. They got a journalist or they wrote their own thoughts, if it's even a blog, right? They, someone took time to create content and they need to be compensated. And if you don't, if it's, it, it allows you a lot more choices if you can just kind of, you know, flip around, flick around the, the internet freely without having to stop at every website to say like, how much are you willing to pay? Mm -hmm. But to actually be able to do that, and if that exchange is, well, guess what? You're going to see advertising. That seems like a good exchange, and the fact is that you want that to be relevant. You know, like it, you know, you can go multiple ways with this, right? But from the from the person that's created the content, they get paid for more relevant advertising to you if someone really is trying to to reach you. So that part makes sense. And it all sounds like so reasonable when you explain it that way, right? Like, oh, okay, that, <laughs> that is, a, um, that is a, a great value exchange, right? Um, and it's a value exchange that I think people are, are used to having, you know, particularly from TV um, for, you know, decades. Right. Um, so, like, how, how did online targeting get such a bad rap? Um, you know, how did that, how did that happen? How do you think it happened? I, well, I think, I think that uh, once retargeting became perhaps the number one way that people buy, uh, you know, uh, advertising, it, you certainly got there. So, and what I mean by retargeting, right, is I think we've all probably had this experience you go to Amazon or you go to a website and you, you know, you start looking at a product. Uh, I made the mistake. I, I actually looked up car leases the other day because my lease is almost up. And you, can anyone guess what kind of advertising I see wherever <laughs> I go? Right. It's local car dealerships. It's it's manufacturers. It's I am now an auto intender. That would be the term that we would use internally. It's been right. kind well, of so a you're seeing term. you're seeing all of your personalized options. Right. Right. And there's an aspect of that kind of makes sense and i'm okay with that when i look up something that's probably just a little bit more personal or just you know again whether it be clothing or i don't know they're, they're, i can't necessarily come up with necessarily the right example but i think we've all had that experience where now wherever i go i'm being followed right so again look at our terms targeting retargeting following and I think at that point, people started going like, wait a second, this isn't, this doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like I'm in, con I, like I'm in control there. It's almost like you all are talking about me, aren't you? 
right? Yeah, if I, right. If I go to the New York times to another website and I'm seeing the same ad, it's like, y'all are talking like it's, y'all are in this like together. Behind my back, you're talking about me. Yeah. Right. Right. That's, I, I don't want that to happen. So, you know, that, that I think is the, the, the part where I think we, we did it from a, from that perspective. I also think that, uh, the volume and the number of ads that we serve to people uh there's there's no no barrier to adding another ad to the page uh, and so we've created terrible ad experiences and so add a bunch of ads that seem to be following me around and then i feel my fan on my phone my, on my computer starting to kick in whenever i visit certain websites and i'm like come on you're 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 milking this way too much you know the the value exchange is no longer there and there are websites i don't go to uh just because i know the amount of ads i'm going to see and i don't want to go through that i can find the, that's that's content i can find anywhere else now there's content i can't find anywhere else that i go to and i have to endure those experiences there uh but i do so with gritted teeth like you're making me go through the gauntlet mm -hmm. of pop-up ads and not pop-up ads, but like the video showing up at the corner to all that stuff. Yeah. Just come on, come on, stop it. Well, and the, you know, the number of ads is not predicated on the cookie, but the fact that you're being, you feel like you're being followed is based on the cookie, which I should explain right. what that is for anyone listening who, who might not know today what a cookie is. Um, the cookie was created in the um, early 90s by a developer at Netscape, which Rob, you and I remember Netscape. <laughs> um, and it wasn't related to advertising at all at the time. They, they created it so that websites could start to track uh, the difference between like 10 individual people coming to their site versus one person coming to the site 10 times. Right. So and to do that, they drop this little piece of code on the end user's computer um, without their knowledge or consent that would allow that tracking to happen. And when that started happening in, you know, 94, I think it was, um, yeah, nobody, no, uh, consumers really didn't know it was happening, and nor do I think they would have cared that it was right. happening. But it was when uh, the ad networks got involved and started using that as a way to track and target advertising across multiple sites and build this big business that you're talking about that you know people started to like question wait a minute what's happening well the the one the one thing that i would add to that uh just important phrasing right as you said that it's a piece of code it's it's really technically a text file right like it isn't like there's like when someone sets a cookie that they're setting a program on your computer, they're just setting a little file, like a little text file that that website can read, right? Or, or someone can read. Um, and if you were to go and find your cookies, you'd find a whole bunch of just gibberish in there, right? But those all tie to these other backend systems that sit there and try to figure out who you are, and what kind of ads you've seen or what your experience is, how often you've seen an ad, all those types of things. Right, right? and, and a, a user doesn't have one cookie, they have you know, many, 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 many cookies. Many, many. So when regular people started to get 
concerned about this, you know, the, the industry started trying to respond, right? And so companies and, and then eventually governments were responding to those consumer concerns and introduced different ways for people to control what, what is being tracked about them online. And I want to run through kind of the, what I see as three phases of this. And um, Rob, jump in with like all the color you've got on these okay. um, So the first phase I think of is the, um, the industry, the ad advertising industry getting together uh, in, around 2010 and trying to work together to give the consumer uh, some choices around whether they were willing to opt in or wanted to opt out of targeted ad experiences um, through, uh, through tools that would be given to them to control that experience that and those tools would be provided by the industry um, really as a way for them to get in front of any potential um, you know uh, regulations that would force them to do something um, that wasn't defined by them so and and that was the minimal amount of effort as an industry we could have put in at that time yes, right and, and the, right. the output of that whole effort um, you still see it, right? And in inside ads, usually on the upper right-hand corner, you can see a little triangle that is the um, ad choices icon that kind of is the window into all of those tools. I don't think most people, you know, who use uh, the internet know what that is or what to do with it. They may have accidentally clicked on it at some point, uh, but, I, but I agree it's, it's uh, again, the minimal amount we could have done to inform uh, people of exactly how this works. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that, you know, wasn't enough. Um, so companies uh, individually started to make some changes to give people tools. And uh, the first of these is, is crosses like all browsers of ad blockers came, you know, came into the market and you know, anyone could download um, these uh, these ex browser extensions that allow you to block ads from appearing when you're viewing sites. And ad blockers have been around for a, a long time now. They have been like an industry nemesis, but like a consumer darling for years. <laughs> but um, you know, now it's estimated 25 to 30% of people use them. Uh, Apple with Safari is blocking most third-party cookies since 2017. And then as of a recent release are blocking all third-party cookies by default. Mozilla Firefox is blocking all third-party cookies as of mid-2019. And then the, the most recent announcement was uh, Google Chrome, which has the majority of the market announcing it will phase out third-party tracking by 2022. And that kind of kicked in a lot of um, you know, ideas for innovation from the industry that we can discuss in a bit. But yeah. I think that was like the, that was the like tipping point. Absolutely. I, I think to, again, people that are not in the industry, this idea of what a third party cookie is, right, is there, the browsers are still going to allow a website that you work with to track how often you've seen an ad. You know, there, there are things that they, they'll be able to, they'll, they're on their own, they'll be able to do, you know, so in other words, a cookie is used by a website when you're buying something so that 
when you go to the next page, it knows what's going on, right? There's like certain information that's used in that experience. But the idea that someone can, some other company that which you wouldn't have any idea could sit there and place a cookie and then track all the stuff that you do on the internet, the browsers have decided that's no longer something uh, the industry can do. And so that's a core piece to what a lot of this targeting uh, is powered by. And so this is, this is big. This, this change with, with the browsers are, is, is a really uh, big, big change for the industry, which will have to decide how much of our old habits we want to hold and what are some of our new things. And I've got some ideas around that, but yeah. we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. And then the, the third phase, at, you know, which is also a really big deal, was you know, governments deciding to get involved and um, placing you know, regulations on the industry. So GDPR uh, is the General Data Protection Regulation for Europe. Uh, so this applies to EU residents uh, making, uh, collecting personal information, uh, require their consent. So it's opt-in. Opt-in means you have to explicitly, um, you know, in practice, like you see this on a lot of websites now, like you'll see a little like panel come up at the bottom and says like, I'm agreeing to allow you to collect, you know, whatever personal information and everybody then checks yes. Right? So, um, <laughs> so that, that's why you see that panel come up more now because GDPR went into effect in 2018. So that's been around for a couple years. And even though it's just a European regulation, it hits people in the U.S. because I think a lot of companies are just applying uh, the same the same tracking and like technology to support it to everyone on their sites just to cover themselves. Then in the U.S., uh, the CCPA, California Consumer Privacy Act, will begin enforcement this July. And you know, California is just one state right in the u.s but it is a huge state and it is kind of dictating i think what will happen with uh u.s overall and it it is not exactly the same as gdpr but it does give the consumer certain rights they, they define them as the right to know the right to delete the right to opt out and the right for non-discrimination in pricing regardless of whether you opt out so that's going to be another layer that you know every company that uh, is is dealing with traffic in the well, US what is, is dealing with on so, CCPA they're not even done yet they there there's another there's another more amendments coming to it and other states are looking at all of this and coming up with their own variations i think you're you're right that california is going to lead the way it's you know GDPR set the thing for CPA, CCPA. CCPA is going to set up for the rest of them some idea of it. Uh, it's there's going to be more regulation in this in this area, and I think because inherently it's probably easier to run an office saying, "I want to protect your privacy," and have your than the opponent saying, "No, I don't want to fight for your privacy." <laughs> right? It just seems to be like like oversimplification of this topic is such that you could just sit there and go like, do you want to have a, you know, do you want to be private on, on the internet or not? Well, yeah, regardless of any understanding of what comes with that privacy, which I think is some of what your concern yeah. is. Um, yeah. And I think privacy implies, 
you know, a level of um, personalization that I think was not, not necessarily um, a, you know, a concern with you know, general third party cookie targeting. Um, the, you know, the targeting of individuals uh, is, you know, I, I don't want to personally be targeted as myself at, you know, my address, maybe with all my, you know, specific like attributes that are just identifying me, but I don't really mind being uh, targeted as, you know, a, a female who lives in New Jersey who might be interested in, you know, leasing a car. Well, and think about it. You, again, you you know, and you've been involved in this as, as long as I have and in, in, involved in this. When we're coming up with an ad campaign or work with an advertiser, we're not talking about Heather Kells. We, we, we never get to that level of detail. There might be, there's a specific cookie, but we don't like the targeting would be women in your zip code. Right. And I, I think that it, piece it, of it gets lost in understanding with, you know, regular people. Right. Right. I mean, it, it just, it, it, the, to make it work, you can't think it like the amount of effort and cost it would be to try to target Heather Kells and find the right time to serve you specifically an ad just isn't worth it. And so I can honestly say I don't ever see anyone talking about that level of personalization of ads. What does happen is based on where you go, you send out certain signals that say, hey, you're looking at buying a car. Guess what? The people who want to sell you a car now know about it. It'd be the same as if you, <laughs> it'd be like you going to a car dealership and uh, there being all the other, all the other uh, uh, people, uh, their competitors taking pictures and sitting there going, ooh, ooh, we <laughs> want to talk to you. But like, they don't think of it in terms of like individuals. The, the, when you break it down, people break things down into demographics which are age groups, geography, gender, and behavior. And so it, it's not as creepy as it sounds when you just go like, hey, I want to sell cars to people in Northern Jersey. Okay, you should be able to do that. That's the kind of level we're talking about. Right. And you know, with the the regulations coming down from the government level and the browser changes and you know, even industry changes themselves, you know, the desire to do that kind of targeting is not going away. And uh, I don't think that the ability to do that kind of targeting is going away either because, you know, people are, are coming together to come up with new innovations, you know, or, or let's, you know, mm -hmm. we'll call them innovations. You could also call them workarounds on how to track and target. Right. And, you know, similar to a, another episode of this podcast I did was on um, lobbyists and, you know, there's been regulations to, to limit the influence of lobbyists on government and the end result of those uh, regulations have really just led to more lobbying influence because people found ways around the regulations. And I think that the same thing is, is currently happening and will happen with online targeting, 
Um, so the end result for the consumer is really going to be an unchanged, an unchanged ad experience, maybe a, a feeling of more control of that experience, but, um, but really the end experience will be the same. Can I give you some yes and yes, no on please. that? So where I think it's a little different is because there's a technology aspect of this that the browsers can stop third-party cookies, right? It isn't like the, the browsers say, well, we're going to, you know, we, we, we're going to create a thing where you shouldn't do this. There, there's a penalties. They can shut it off. Now, you are correct, uh, and there's an entire part of our industry that's built off that third-party cookie, and we'll do everything between now and then to come up with workarounds. Even well, I shouldn't even say until then. They will continue to try to con to do that. Where I think the underlying piece is that the companies are going to like the browsers are going to work and try to figure out what those those are, anticipate what those are, and turn those off as well. Because there's a thing called fingerprinting, right, which is very much like a cookie. And it says, oh, your browser is this, your computer is this, this, you know, all this little information and try to assume what a cookie would tell them. Uh, and they're going to work on ways to to obfuscate that information. Right. So there's a going to be a continual arms race to try to stop certain aspects of this until we change the conversation, which is not my second point. My second point is that I think you're right that a lot of the experiences will be the same in part because the big companies like the Facebooks and the Googles are, have enough information that they don't need the third party cookie to provide those kind of targeted experiences. Yes. And that, um, that is one of my concerns for everybody that's not Google and Facebook. Right. So yes. Uh, if you're a, particularly like a small or, or medium-sized online publisher and you lose the ability to use uh, the cookie for monetization, uh, which was, a, you know, essentially to them almost like a, a free technology, right? Like they, mm -hmm. they have partners that then could make them more money by using this free technology. They now are going to have to find a way to not use the free technology, but pay for probably an alternative solution through you know, a new partner who will develop something that maybe they can use. Um, but it will require them to, um, to pay for something they didn't pay for before. And um, a lot of those companies just won't be able to do it. And that, you know, that will hurt their business and journalism. Yes, 100%. What in the fight for privacy, it is very much a hit on democracy, <laughs> right? Like it's, that's counterintuitive, but there's an aspect that what I think we all are attracted to with the internet is the ability for people to express themselves, for a lot more people to play journalists and, and dive into topics. I mean, it's also really, I mean, let's also be clear that the internet's also good at producing a lot of crap and, uh, you know, like joyful crap, like, oh yeah, I could either read about understanding more about the U.S.-China relationships or 
let me see what Punky Brewster looks like now because there's this little thing at the bottom, right? Like there's like, and how do I look at my day and how I, I consume news? I, I skim a lot. I think I learn a lot from the headlines and then something will grab me and I'll dive deep and I will learn something. But when I'm tired, I'm not reading that article on the Atlantic. I just mentally can't put the energy into it. So I float around, right? My, my point being is that um, if we hurt the ability for people to invest in creating content because they no longer can afford to do so, we, we take a big hit as a society. You, you should want, you know, you, you may disagree with your newspaper, but the people who are producing the newspaper and putting it online and going through all that kind of stuff, they're working to create that content. They're not just scraping someone else. They're, they're, they're writing stuff. And shouldn't they get paid for that in some way? Right. And, and these, you know, these regulations, you know, in, in a lot of ways are just, you know, contributing to making the, the big, bigger and the, the strong, stronger. So, uh, you know, you, and you know, the, Big and strong companies are, you know, are great in many ways, but you know, they do not represent uh, your your local newspaper. So all these things, a lot of these things, like GDPR and so forth, some could say were masked attempts at trying to control Google and Facebook and the larger companies. They are continually, governments are continually trying to figure out how to rope in their power, and each time they miss the they, they just can't i mean the google and facebook and their ability to react to these things uh is just more powerful i was i was in another conversation the other day and i try to use the analogy of like go back to the monopolies of like carnegie and the railroad system so just imagine like they shut carnegie down to an extent right <laughs> But the you know the anti you know monopolistic regulation that doesn't work anymore. In in this scenario, Carnegie is still in charge of all the railroads, mm-hmm. and they really get to decide how much. And again, in the time that we're doing this conversation, you know it's being revealed that Facebook knew they were creating dis- divisive conversations on their platform, and saw that it was leading to more revenue. So they did not put in things to try to get us all together in the name of serving more ads, more revenue for Facebook. Newspapers, the New York Times has never served accidentally a terrorist video. They've never sat there and gone like, oh, let's put up this video. Someone sent us to it. Let's just put it up there. And then, oh, crap, it's a terrorist's video. Right, of someone being beheaded or whatever. Right. Well, so someone will tell us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we the New York Times is fully responsible for what gets put onto its page and has to issue obviously those corrections and whatever like that. The other ones do not. And and there's a, like a lot of this stuff that's really about you know like to me more concerning than targeting is the way that these companies have disrupted information flow in the name of selling ads and advertising. They're giving it a bad name uh, that more than it, the big guys are and the really little guys that are just doing 
really bad ad practices. Mm -hmm. But you should know that when you go to I like cheeseburgers dot com or whatever. I don't know what that I, I couldn't come up well, with. Well and, that and you know, if you go to I like cheeseburgers dot com, you might be asked to log into that site and one of your options could be to to log in with Google or log in with Facebook. And you mm -hmm. know, and then you know, I like cheeseburgers.com is essentially helping the big get it, get bigger again. Right. They all feed that. They all feed them. That's and, and you know, that's the correct. site, I like cheeseburgers.com, which we have to check and see if that's a real, they, you know, they're using the login features of Google and Facebook because there is some, you know, they do see some value in it. It's saving them the need to, to spend some resources, resources on technology to you know, support that, that login experience. But, um, you know, the, the longer term impact is not helping them as much as it is helping the Google or Facebook. Right. Right. Yeah. They, they've got their finger in each pocket. And by the way, the, uh, I like cheeseburgers.com seems to be owned by a copywriter who seems to be like a nice, a nice guy. So, um, change all of that to, um, celebritycaraccidents.com, <laughs> which I won't type in. Right, because there are people who create that kind of content and just capture all that and and just repackage what everyone else is talking about in writing and really not putting any much effort into yeah, it. Yeah, who starts a site called CelebrityCarAccidents.com? Well, unfortunately, I I came up with it just now. <laughs> I hopefully no one has done Rob that. Rob Beeler, it's like uh, yeah, I hope you fail. <laughs> yeah, well, I I I'm not. I didn't buy the domain, nor I. I and selling ads or tracking anyone that goes to it. So, uh. <laughs> so yeah, I, mean, I do think that the, um, you know, the the journalism and like vibrant content side of this conversation is more under fire with all these regulations and browser changes. And um, the more, you know, maybe the more people know about how the impacts of one to the other work, they maybe that does help in some way. I, I do kind of fear that that knowing and not pushing for as much um, privacy, you know, privacy control as, um, as control of your you know, experience would have been more helpful 10 years ago. Yeah, I, I will say this though. You know, there is a really interesting thing going on right now because of the pandemic. For a long time, and you've seen this as well, um, that publishers would put up a message and say, hey, we've, you know, we've got a newsletter or, you know, well, again, you were in the New York Times, right? So you, you know about uh, the uh, pay, people paying for content after a certain number of impressions, you know, number of pages and, and so forth. But there there are there are a lot of different ways that people have in the past try to stay say to a consumer i need you to understand the value exchange right and that is if i have your news if i have your email address and send you a newsletter that's helpful to me and my business or whatever and, you know unless you really kind of forced it and you were really unique you probably didn't have a lot of success with that fast forward to the pandemic and we are all looking around going, how do I keep my local restaurants in business? How do I keep 
the clean people that come to my house who can no longer come to my house, how do I keep them afloat just long enough so that when they can come back, they're still in business? Well, the same is true for publishers. There's an opportunity for publishers to right now have a conversation with their users. And if they have a strong enough brand, they can really make a call to say, advertising is changing. This is difficult for all of us. We're here for you. Align with us and we'll either serve you less ads or we'll serve you the same number of ads, but we need to know who you are or get our newsletter or do something so that we're connected. And I think that's a really unique time to do that message. And by the way, I think it's going to run out. But I do think that there's an aspect of, of kind of having a conversation unlike ever before. And the fact is, there'll be people who shouldn't try to have that conversation and they should fail. You know, car accidents, right. celebritycaraccidents.com. You go, hey, support me, whatever. I 100% I agree. And I think that it's even more helpful if it's not just people in the, the online ad industry initiating that conversation, but you know, flip it to the, yes. the you know, editorial side and you know, have that conversation also be coming from you know, the, the journalism side of the business. And then, and then what we'll, I think we all have to do is, is um, work on ways to which this targeting, I'm doing little air quotes, on a podcast, so not the most useful thing to do. But the, you know, this targeting, hopefully we get smarter at it and realize that if I just bought, you know, a pair of sneakers, that I don't need to see those same sneakers, you know, the rest of my day. I bought them. <laughs> but if you told me that I could have socks that really match those sneakers or Obviously, it looks like I bought running shoes, so maybe I should be buying this or whatever. You know, again, there's, there are ways to which that can be done that is less creepy. Of course. And our, our industry needs to take a lot of blame for the annoyance that they, uh, they have, you know, put on, like, the, you know, now I'm air quoting, American people to get them all upset about this. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. So do you have, Rob, any, uh, any predictions for what's going to happen um, now that we do you know, have the, the Chrome changes coming and CCPA and, you know, there are companies really like diving right in to deal with this. Yeah, I think I think there's going to be a lot of those efforts that are, are just are going to eventually fail uh, in part because they're trying to keep some old practices that are you know, if you think about the spirit of GDPR, CCPA, what the browsers are wanting to do, they're not in line with that spirit. Um, so I got a feeling that a number of those things are, are going to fail, but they're going to work right up to the, you know, people are going to use them as long as they can. I think that there is an aspect where a strong do get stronger for good and for bad, but I also think that there is a part where really strong publisher brands are going to be able to weather this. And again, if they can change and have that value uh, exchange with consumers you know, and articulate that, are going to come out of this in a really, really good spot. Uh, will it add up enough for them to continue their businesses? That's to be seen. Uh, but I do think that that's kind of where, where it is. And I, I honestly think that there's a part where 
just as the last, again, the, you know, last thoughts here, right? If you have gone to Europe and tried to use the internet and you see those panels that you mentioned, oh my God, the internet changes for you. It's just not the same experience we're used to because you're continually having to opt in everywhere you go. And I think there's a part of people starting to realize annoying ads are annoying, get rid of those, but annoying things telling me that I don't, to tell me that I don't have to see annoying ads is just as annoying. Right. And so- right. And I, we didn't talk be, about uh, GDPR too much, but I, I wonder, how many, uh, or, you know, what percentage of people who get these opt-in panels are opting out? Yeah. Right, right. And then you're not supposed to change their experience for doing so, but it's also really hard to imagine that you just let, like, at, at some point that's just uh, diminishing returns for the publisher. Yeah. If everyone started opting out, you'd be like, I can't serve relevant ads that make any money. We we see that we have an idea of this already with because of Safari, ask any publisher whether they what kind of money they make with Safari versus Chrome right now, and they make significantly less money on Safari. That's the future once Chrome makes this change, unless we solve it. And I just will emphasize one part of your prediction that you know small and, and medium content providers, you know, I, I think are going to be squeezed out of enjoying some business benefits and some of them will just be squeezed out of business. And, um, you know, I, I challenge our industry to prove me wrong on that. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, I think that it, it's unfortunate um, that, that we're going to see some really good content creators just realizing that this model doesn't work for them and they're going to have to seek other ways to try to get there. And maybe we need to explore all of those as well. I mean, I do think that, uh, I think, and again, something that was announced today is someone that's a major uh, journalist in our in our space of online advertising uh, is leaving a major publisher to go on their own. And I'm really kind of curious as to how all that adds up for them. But if the platforms allow them to make enough money, then that could be really, really interesting. I just not sure the numbers add up. Right. Yeah. All right, Rob, thank you so much for joining me for this. I, uh, so I'm going to say, I think we both agree that we want to be targeted. Yes, we'll, I, I will sign up for that. Thanks for listening to today's Unpopular Opinion. I want to be targeted. Rob mentioned our collective desire to support local restaurants in part of our conversation. If you want to hear a discussion about how the Grubhubs and Uber Eats of the world are making that harder, check out a previous episode of this podcast called Yesterday's Startups Are Killing Today's Restaurants. And I mentioned lobbying in part of the discussion. There's another episode called I Want More Lobbyists, if you're interested in that. If you have an opinion on any of these topics that you'd like to share, or want to tell me how much you disagree with me, or want to get in touch with me about another possible topic, Email me at unpopularopinionswithheather at gmail.com. Follow this podcast on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts and see you next time.